our God is our deliverer, and we are so we ought to be thankful for that. Thankful for that reminder as as we sing those words here this morning. What a great and wonderful God it is that we serve. Um, this morning we're going to continue in our our book of of Acts. We'll be in Acts chapter twelve here this morning. If you want to turn there with me in your copy of God's Word. This past week I got to spend um, several days with our brothers and sisters in in Springfield at our state convention. And uh, I forget how much I miss that, you know, just being in a room of other believers and, uh, you know, have number, I don't know who, how many people were there, but, you know, a conference room filled with people as we have worship time and we sing to the Lord together. Man, it's just so, it's so good and, and edifying. And I hope more of you can be able to join me uh, next year. Um, I think it's in Decatur next year, so we can make a road trip together. But, you know, as I get to know various pastors in Illinois and beyond, there's so many different types of pastors, different types of churches, different sizes and things of that nature. Uh, when I was ordained, uh, somebody remarked to me like, oh, well, now you can go in and be a megachurch pastor. I'm like, well, I just don't think, <laughs> not sure that's the direction we're going to go. But that's the pe- what people think about when they think of church because they see the televangelists on, ter- ter- on TV and uh, have masses and masses of people sitting in the audience, but the majority of churches out there, not just in Illinois, are, are much like ours. This is what we call a normative-sized church. Most of the churches that we have have less than 100 people in them. And so what's amazing to me is I'm having these conversations with other pastors throughout the state. Um, as a pastor, and I'm sure you feel this in various roles and things in your life, that you look and you see, uh, man, I wish I had that. I, I wish we can do these things. And as a pastor, yeah, we, we talk about numbers and we talk about, um, uh, you know, what, what it is that we're doing and outreach and things of that nature. And we see other people like, man, we, we, I wish, wish we could do those things. But the, the reality is that like us individually, God has created this local church uh, uniquely for the place that we're in today. Just like he's created you uniquely for the place that you're in, the house that you live in, the neighborhood and the, the city and all those things. He has created you uniquely so that you would be able to serve him and the gospel will advance if you're obedient to that. And so we get in this trap sometimes of wanting to keep up with the Joneses and do the things that they're doing down the block or have the kind of houses and cars of our neighbors and things of that nature. But God has put you in a place for a particular purpose. He's uniquely created you to serve him in the matter he said before you um, while you're off looking the other direction, wishing you were somebody else. And God just wants you to be who he created you to be. As we look here today, we're going to see an example of what it looks like to serve God and how different it can be. You don't have to be a pastor in order to serve the Lord. You don't have to be a Sunday school teacher. There's various ways that you can serve the Lord. And he, again, he's uniquely made you. Some of us are, are givers, and we love to see uh, uh, people being blessed by uh, other things that we can provide to them. You know, how, how we can serve them. When we talk about uh, deacons and things of that nature, we are all called to serve. And some of us have an extended gift to be able to serve other people 
And that is how God has created you to be. And so we need to embrace that. We need to embrace who God has us to be. Look with me. Chapter 12 of the book of Acts. We'll start here in verse 1, where God's word reads about that time. Herod the king laid violent hands on some who belonged to the church. He killed James, the brother of John, with a sword. And when he saw that it pleased the Jews, he proceeded to arrest Peter also. This was during the days of unleavened bread. And when he had seized him, he put him in prison, delivering him over to four squads of soldiers to guard him intending after the Passover to bring him out to the people. So Peter was kept in prison, but earnest prayer for him was made to God by the church. You know, it's interesting for some reason, many Christians have bought into the idea that once they become Christian, that their lives is supposed to be comfortable and cozy, that everything will be all fixed And we will be all righteous and perfect and everything will go right for us. Some so-called preachers and teachers would have you believe that if you have enough faith or if you name it and claim it, you'll have your best life now. But I'm afraid that's not what we see in the biblical text. I'm going to be honest and tell you that these folks are charlatans and they are false preachers. Why would I say this? People get ruffled when somebody stands in the pulpit and calls out other people. But I think it's important because what what they're doing and what they are saying is harmful to the kingdom. That's why it's important that we talk about what Scripture says and we stick with it. It puts us in the center when when people are talking about the name and the claimant and, and all these things, all these blessings that we're supposed to have. It puts us at the center instead of putting Christ at the center. Check this out. So James, who's one of the 12, he, he goes and he suffers a violent death. Now, you mean to tell me that he died because he didn't have enough faith? James is the first of the 12 to be martyred. And by the way, he's not the last. Brothers and sisters, don't fall for this de- decree and declare garbage. You can't compare your circumstances to others. God has a specific plan for you. And it's different from the person that you're sitting next to. Just like he had a plan for James that was different from the plan he had for Peter. Well, watch this. Both James and Peter bring God glory. Even though their circumstances look different, even though what happened to them in their lives looked different, they both bought God glory because they were obedient to him. So instead of, of, of using these, these hocus-pocus words that have infiltrated the church and that we hear in the culture, here is something that you should be asking. Now, I want you to pay attention to this. If you don't take anything else home today, I want you to take this. I want you to write it down, put it in your phone, whatever you got to do. I want you to be constantly asking yourself this question. Am I, to the best of my ability, following God's word and guidance of the Holy Spirit to find God's will for my life? Ask yourself this question as often as you can. Am I, to the best of my ability, 
following God's word and the guidance of the Holy Spirit to find God's will for my life. There will be times where you are in between a rock and a hard place. You have various paths to choose from. And as you're going through to make that decision, I want you to ask, am I, to the best of my ability, following God's word and the guidance of the Holy Spirit to find God's will for my life? James and Peter were both operating in God's will, but God had different plans for how each of them would bring him glory. John 16 and 33 says, I have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. But I love this part. But take heart. I have overcome the world. Man, I love this verse. I hope this is encouraging to you as it is for me. I hope this is a, a confidence builder for you. I will put this in the gangster category. Like nothing else can, can stop this or touch it when you think about it. As we go through life, we have trouble. But, but that's okay because why? Because we serve someone who is not phased by this tribulation. The world has done the worst to Jesus, but he was still victorious. When we follow him, we get to share in that victory. He brings us along and we share with him in that victory. Well, let, let's drill into this a little bit more. If you actually read through the Bible, you'll understand this uh, very thing and you'll be able to see through these prosperity preachers, so-called. Throughout history, God's people have been under attack. They have been under assault. We've got folks like Pharaoh, Nebuchadnezzar, Herod, and many others, but God's people have always faced persecution, always. Already here in the 11 chapters in the book of Acts, we've seen tons of opposition against believers. We read about threats, intimidation, stoning, beatings, all this. We're just in, in, in chapter 12 of the book of Acts, and we saw all these things. So we shouldn't be surprised when we ourselves face opposition. We should be surprised when we don't face opposition. In all, Jesus is on the throne. Jesus is the one who is in control. We do well to remind ourselves that Christ crushed the head of the serpent at the cross. He triumphed over death. He vacated the tomb. He ascended to heaven. He rules on his throne, and soon Jesus will return, and he'll judge the living and the dead, no matter where you are in your life right now, brothers and sisters. No matter where you are, no matter what is going on for, for you, if you follow him faithfully, you can have the faith that the king will always win. He already has. He's in control. He is sovereign. Look with me in verse 6. Now when Herod was about to bring him out uh, on that very night, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers bound two chains and centuries before the door were guarding the prison. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood next to him and a light shone in the cell. 
He struck Peter on the side and woke him up saying, get up quickly. And the chains fell off his hands. And the angel said to him, dress yourself and put on your sandals. And he did so. And he said to him, wrap your cloak around you and follow me. And he went out and followed him. And he did not know what was being done by the angel was real, but thought he was seeing a vision. When they had passed the first and the second guard, they came to an iron gate leading to the city. It opened for them and of its own accord, and they went out and went along the street, and immediately the angel left him. When Peter came to himself, he said, Now I'm sure that the Lord has sent this angel and rescued me from the hand of Herod and from all the Jewish people were expecting. When he realized this, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose other name was Mark, where they, many were gathered together and they were praying. And when he knocked on the door of the gateway, the servant girl named Rhoda came to answer. And recognizing Peter's voice and her joy, she did not open the gate, but ran in and reported that Peter was standing at the gate. They said to her, you're out of your mind. But she kept insisting that it was so. And they kept saying, it's, it is his angel. But Peter continued knocking. When they opened, they saw him, and they were amazed. But motioning to them with his hand to be silent, he described uh, to them how the Lord had brought him out of prison. He said, tell these things to James and to the other brothers. Then he departed and went to another place. And now when the, the day came, there was little, no little disturbance among the soldiers over what had become of Peter. And after Herod searched for him, he did not find him. He examined the centuries in order that they be put to death. Then he went down from Judea to Caesarea and spent time there. As I read through that, let's pause for a minute. I heard a few chuckles, and I think it's appropriate because as Luke was writing this, I would imagine he's seen uh, the humor in the story. And he's displaying a sense of humor here as the text describes this very miracle that takes place. Now, put yourself in Peter's shoes. He just had come from this experience with Cornelius and many people would come to, come to the Lord. And now Herod uh, has killed James and it looks like Peter was headed toward the same fate. And if you're in Peter's shoes, imagine if you're in Peter's shoes, uh, would you be worried? Would you be stressed? kind of freaking out, not work, not, not uh, knowing what is going to happen here. If it was me, I, I know I would be, but not Peter. <laughs> not Peter. My man, Peter, he's knocked out. He's, he's chained between two guards, knocked out, sleep, probably snoring and drooling on these other guards. He, he's not, a, I'm imagining myself, I will be awake and shaking and, and quaking in my boots. But here he is, snoozing between these soldiers, and then the angel comes and stands next to Peter. Now, this, this bright light didn't wake Peter up. You know, somebody comes in my room and turns on the light in the middle of the night, I'm waking up. Especially in this situation, if I were able to get to sleep, I would imagine that any little thing would wake me up, but not Peter. This bright light comes when the angel steps in and he, it doesn't wake him up. The, the angel had to hit Peter. Wake up, boy. It's time to go. Man, people have anxiety attacks over much less. But here Peter is. People 
freak out about speaking in front of groups or trying something new, but here's Peter, potentially about to lose his life, and he's getting some extra winks. Peter exemplifies what it looks like to embrace what Jesus talked about in John 16. Even though Peter was in trouble, he knows that he's walking in his purpose and he's following the one that has overcome the world. Have you been in a situation where you didn't know what was going to happen next? Have you been struggling with life's twists and turns? Have you had to make a decision where you weren't sure what to decide or which way to go? Do you know what it feels like to be between a rock and a hard place? Peter may have been physically guarded by the soldiers, but his heart was guarded by God. It was guarded by a God that, 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 that feels and it was there to provide peace beyond all understanding. Jesus, who is the Prince of Peace, he, he also remembered the story of him falling asleep him falling asleep where they were in the middle of a storm. And, and all the disciples are freaking out going, what's going on? Jesus, wake up. And he speaks and says, be still. And the storm is stilled. Philippians 4 and 6 says, be not, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Hopefully that comes to mind when you feel anxious. Hopefully that comes to mind when, when you feel like you're struggling, you don't know what's next. That you would think about these things and you would dwell on them and you would take them to the Lord. Cast them all on him in prayer and supplication and be able to have thanksgiving in that. When Peter wakes up, when he finally wakes up, his chains fall off. They just fell off. Psalm 146 and 7 says, Who executes justice for the oppressed? Who gives food to the hungry? The Lord sets prisoners free. And we see this happen here firsthand. Our Lord specializes in breaking chains. Peter here is, is delirious. He doesn't know what's, what's happening. He thinks he's still asleep. He thinks he's still dreaming. He had no idea what is actually happening. I don't know if you've seen this video um, on, on the Internet. There's a kid who's he's sitting in the back seat, and his dad is, is videotaping him, and he's just come from having some dentistry work, and he's kind of hopped up on the, the medication that he's given. And so um, the dad catches him on the video, and the, and the kid is saying, I, I feel funny. I, I, is this real life? Because he's seeing everything so hazy and he's just going through. He's like, is this happening to me? He says. And then he says, is this forever? Am I ever going to be normal again? In Peter's case, he's, he's so out of it that he can't claim that he did any of this of his own volition. He knows, and, and there's, there can be no contention that the Lord is at work here. And you leave it to us. We, we talk about, oh, you man, you should have seen that night. I busted out of jail, man. They didn't know what hit him. Man, I got up and I kicked in the door. And No. Now, Peter, Peter's like, is this real life? Is, is this for real? 
so that there will be no uh, denying that the Lord was at work here with Peter. He wasn't freed because he was strong or fast, but it was by God's power. It was by God's power that the, the iron gates, they opened all by themselves. These chains fell off of him. This is important because it's not about Peter's escape. That's what we want to focus on. Oh, Peter, got, got, he escaped from all these terrible things. Well, what we should be focusing on is Peter's deliverance. How, how Peter is delivered by God. Our God is a rescuer. 2 Timothy 4 and 17 says, But the Lord stood by me and strengthened me, so that through me uh, the message might be fully proclaimed and all the Gentiles might hear it. So I was rescued from the lion's mouth. The Lord will rescue me from evil deeds, every evil deed, and bring me safely into his heavenly kingdom. To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Brothers and sisters, we are saved by receiving God's grace, by faith, and because of this, all glory belongs to him. Peter, after he comes and gets some of his wits about him, he, he goes and makes his way to, to uh, where everybody is gathered, and he finds them praying. Man, what a great church this is. They go and he goes and finds them praying. You'll never regret the time that you spend in prayer. Never, ever have I heard somebody, man, I've wasted my time praying. I've wasted my time uh, going to the Lord on my knees and asking for his forgiveness and seeing him work in my life. But for Peter, as he goes and he gets to the house and he knocks on the door, the problem is that Rhoda recognizes his voice and she goes and tells others and they didn't believe her. And she's excited. She goes and she says, who is it? And she hears Peter's voice. And she's so excited because they're, they're in there praying for him, praying that God will deliver him, praying that God would use him, that, that, he, that he would be strengthened, that we would be kept safe. And she's so excited. And she goes to tell others, our prayers have been answered. And they say, get out of here. That's not Peter. This is Angel. But you're delirious. You don't know what you're talking about. Even though they were praying, they didn't believe that God actually works miracles. I, I, don't, I don't know if that hits you like it hits me. But I, I know God is able. But, but some, sometimes I end up putting God in, in a man-sized box. And, and, and that makes my prayers too small or like, well, I, I know you could if you, if you wanted to, but I just don't know if you quite want to. I, I don't know if you are going to intervene in, in a way here. And here they are. They're, 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 they're doing those, those same things. They didn't understand or, or didn't expect for God to work in the way that he did. And, and, and I, I've talked about this before time and time again about how my own prayers are too small. And time after time, God has shown up for us. And we see that he will do far more abundantly than we can ever ask or think. Man, I praise God for that. Man, just being able to see God at work is amazing 
to me when we were praying about uh, uh, reclaiming the, the, the space here and being able to, to do something. Well, God, won't you use this space so that we can be good stewards of the building that you gave us so that we can glorify your name? What, what is it can't we do here when our building goes unused uh, for all, um, all the week, right? We never went on that side of the building. And God shows up with this Christian Montessori Academy. He, far more abundantly than we could ever ask or think. And then, then we go through and we're, we're looking at with this pandemic and comes and, and hits us. We don't, we don't know how we're going to be able to keep the doors open. People can't come to the building. They're, they're losing their jobs. They're not going to be able to give. We don't know what we're going to do through this pandemic. And here he is. He, he supplies for our every need. He helped us to, to keep the lights on. He did far more abundantly than we can ask or think because we were able to help people out in the community above and beyond what we had here. And because our partnership with the, with the school, because of that, we were able to keep each other afloat, keep each other encouraged. That's the kind of God we serve. I talked about the sinkhole in our parking lot. Lord, I don't know what you're going to do here. We can't afford to get that thing fixed. What, what, what is going to happen here? Are we going to have to bulldoze this whole thing? Are we going to have to sell the building and go meet at a school? What, what are we going to do far more abundantly than we can ever ask or think? The village just shows up and fills up the whole Man, God just keeps showing up, keeps showing up, keeps showing up. Man, what a great and oh, wonderful God that he is. If he will just go to him in prayer and let him do his thing and just be honored just to be here, to be used as instrument, instruments so that his name would be glorified. Brothers and sisters, I want to leave you with this. The, 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 the king's mission is unstoppable. While we face opposition as we share the gospel and, and, and do what God has called us to do, we, we need to continue to take part in the war that is set before us. And we need to continue to be bold because we already know the end of the story. We're fortunate in that way. We already know the end of the story. We already know God wins. Jesus paid the price for our sin, and he is exalted to glory. Nobody overcame our king. His life was not taken. In addition to all this, nothing can separate the believer from him. Man, that's why it's so important as we do any and everything that we do, that we ask ourselves this question, am I, to the best of my ability, following God's word and the guidance of the Holy Spirit to find God's will for my life? Because everything else is, I don't even want to say secondary. I mean, it pales in comparison to everything else that happens in our lives. We're not in alignment with him in what he's called us to do. Let me end with this. Romans 8, 31 through 39. says, what then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? 
He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also be with also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is the right hand of God, and who indeed is interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, shall distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, danger, or the sword? It's written, for your sake we are killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor death, nor uh, anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Brothers and sisters, I don't know where you are today, but I want you to be encouraged that you don't have to be stuck where you are today. You don't have to wallow in anger and frustration. You don't have to be stuck in your sadness. You don't have to be delirious, not wondering what the next step will be. You follow him, and you too will be more than, than conquerors. We serve a God who is sovereign, who is in, in control of any and all things. Let's put our hearts and thoughts on that. Let's put our hearts and thoughts on eternity that we get to spend with him should we follow him. That's what we have to look forward to. This momentary affliction that many of you are in today is just that. It is momentary. all these things and feelings that are bringing you down that you are burdened with is short-lived when we talk about the expanse of eternity. I want you to let those things go. Whatever is burdening you today, whatever you're struggling with, illness, sickness in your body, the feelings of depression, the sadness, the anger, the frustration. I want you to give that over to the Lord now. He's here for you. And through the guidance of the Holy Spirit, take that away from you. He is faithful to take that burden away from you and carry it. You don't need to. Trust in him. I want you to lay your burdens down at the cross. And if you're here today and you don't know Jesus as your personal Savior, I, I want to tell you that, that that free gift is available to you too as well. That you don't have to struggle through this life on your own. Not only is the Lord there for you, and I've already paid the price on your behalf, but he's put you around these brothers and sisters that are here in this room to be an encouragement, to help to strengthen you. If you have questions about that and how you can follow him in your life, what that looks like, I would love to have that conversation with you. Love to pray with you about that. But I need you to lay those burdens down. I need you to follow him with all your might. 
with all your strength and all your soul. Let's pray. Gracious Lord, thank you for loving us in, in this way that we're able to cast all our burdens on you. Father, I thank you for the unique way that you've created each and every one of us so that we might be able to serve you, that we can proclaim your name and, and give hope uh, to this hopeless world because of your finished work of, of yours on the cross. Father, help that be an encouragement to us first and foremost so that we can go and be an encouragement to others. That people might know your name. They might choose to follow you. And even though the, the way we serve you looks different, help us not to covet what it is that we see from others and just know that you're using us and we're your instruments and there's nothing better that we can be doing than to serve you. Give us the encouragement so we can see the miracles that you're doing in our own lives, in the lives of this very church, and help us not to keep it to ourselves, but to go help others be, to be able to see it and know it as well. They might know how good of a God that we serve. Father, we thank you for all the things that you've done, the things that you will continue to do. In Jesus' name, amen.